About 10 years ago, my dad had a phone call completely out of the blue from my uncle, his brother-in-law. My uncle was in his late 60s, never normally called my dad. In fact, this might have been the first time he'd ever rung him. And he definitely wasn't the chatty type. But he was on the phone for over an hour asking challenging questions about faith. Despite my aunt being a Christian and praying for her husband regularly, my uncle had never been interested in faith. As a family, we just come to accept that that was the way it was. My uncle had started attending an Alpha course at a local church, but disagreed with what the vicar was saying. That was why he'd phoned my dad. Knowing that dad was a Christian and had a good grasp of theology, he wanted to chat a few things through with him. But to my dad's surprise, my uncle's disagreement with the vicar wasn't because he didn't believe the claims of Jesus, but because he felt the vicar wasn't taking the claims of Jesus seriously enough. Over the following weeks, my dad had numerous long phone calls from my uncle, whose whole demeanour seemed to be changing. A few weeks in, he decided to follow Jesus. After so many years of prayer, suddenly, out of the blue, everything changed for my aunt and uncle. What she had longed for for so long, a husband to share her faith, was now a reality. Not only was she able to daily share her deep-seated faith with her husband, but she knew that she'd be sharing eternity with him. For her, God had changed what seemed unchangeable when she least expected it. For my uncle, he not only received new abundant life in the here and now, and we all saw the difference in him, but he now knew that when death eventually came, as it does for all of us, it would no longer be the end but only the beginning of a glorious new life with Christ. Today, we're looking at the next part of our series on the power of Jesus, particularly his power over death. The series is focused on the Gospel of Matthew, but today I'm going to read from the parallel passage in Mark chapter 5. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding round him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay for them. But she had got no better. In fact, she had got worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realised at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realisation of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Cohen, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Some people have called this passage the tale of two daughters because it features two very different women. One, a 12-year-old, and one bleeding for 12 years. One from a wealthy family one destitute, but both identified as daughters and both given dignity and new life by Jesus. Both these women are in hopeless situations. The bleeding woman has no hope of a cure. She spent everything trying to get one and nothing has worked. Even if there were more options to try, which there aren't, she couldn't afford them now. She spent everything she has. And from the moment her bleeding began 12 years earlier, her life has been devastated not just by the inconvenience and physical impact of constantly losing blood, which no doubt weakened her and severely impacted her health, but by the isolation and separation that her condition created. According to Leviticus 15, her bleeding makes her unclean, and it also makes anyone who comes in contact with her unclean. No one, not even her own family, can eat food she's prepared, sit on the chair she sat on, or lie on the same bed that she slept in. Her own husband and children can't even touch her without becoming unclean. Not only is she an outcast from her own community, unable to ever go to the synagogue, the centre of community life, but she is an outcast in her own family, forced to live separately from those she loves for the last 12 years. And she has no way of getting better. This is her lot for life. Can you imagine it? Normal life, normal human interaction, the things that we daily take for granted and have come to appreciate more than ever in lockdown suddenly ended 12 years ago. It was though her life were over. For the little girl, her life is quite literally over. We don't know how she died, probably a sickness, possibly an accident or injury, but at 12 years old, on the verge of becoming a woman, with all her hopes and dreams ahead of her, of a husband, of a family of her own, it's all over. And for her devastated parents, her father, who still refers to her as his little girl, despite her age, for them, their world has just caved in. The hope he had as he sought out Jesus, fell at his feet, abandoned his dignity as a respected leader in the community in the desperate hope that Jesus would come and heal his little girl before it was too late, has gone. All hope is gone. She's gone. It's over. But what they are soon to discover is that with Jesus, it's never too late. 
as Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 19, with God, all things are possible. God can change the seemingly unchangeable, just as he did with my uncle. But it took both faith and action on their part in order for them to experience the life-changing miracles that Jesus had for them. They had faith that Jesus could heal. How much faith they had, we just don't know. But as Jesus told his disciples, just a mustard seed is enough. But they had to take action in order to see that faith activated. They didn't just wait in their houses, believing that Jesus could heal them and hoping that he would come and visit. No, they got up and went to find him. And for both of them, this was a considerable risk. For Jairus, he risked his reputation as a respected local dignitary and synagogue leader. To fall at the feet of a controversial rabbi like Jesus was risky. What would people think? What would the Pharisees, who were often highly influential in the synagogue, have to say? For the woman, she risked being found out, being humiliated and shamed by an angry crowd. Think of all those people she touched and made unclean just to get to Jesus. Think of the fact that she deliberately touched this famous rabbi and made him unclean. What would his response be if he found out? That's probably why she's so terrified and reluctant to come forward when Jesus asked who had touched him. It was a huge risk that she was taking and required great courage. Real faith always involves risk and always requires action and usually requires courage. But look at the rewards. As the woman reaches out to Jesus, she is transformed. Everything changes. In that one moment when she touches the edge of his cloak, everything is restored. Her health, her place in community and her family. She's given her life back. Can you imagine her regret if she had never picked up the courage to leave her house that day and to risk being humiliated by the crowd? For Jairus, he got his daughter back. I doubt he ever cared what anyone thought about him after that. Nothing else mattered except that his daughter was alive again. Can you imagine his regret if he had allowed his pride to get the better of him and worrying what the Pharisees would think had never gone to see Jesus? It's amazing how little it often takes to stop us from stepping out in faith. Much of the time, our concern about what others will think can be the biggest barrier. Fortunately, it wasn't a barrier for Jairus or the bleeding woman. I remember going to visit my friend who was dying of cancer. I'd driven up to London to visit him in the Royal Marsden Hospital. I've been praying for him for years that he would come to know Jesus. I prayed specifically that day that I'd have the opportunity to lead him to faith and prepared what I would say. I was with him for about two hours and we chatted about all sorts of things, but the conversation never quite seemed to get to the point where it felt appropriate to talk about Jesus. I felt awkward about it, about bringing it up, not wanting him to feel that I was pushing anything on him, worried what he would think of me. I resolved myself that I wouldn't say anything but look for another opportunity when I saw him next. And I so nearly left that day without saying anything. But at the last moment, as I was about to leave the room, I awkwardly asked him if he would like to take a leap of faith, a concept that we had talked about before. Amazingly, there was no hesitation from him. 
he immediately said yes. I asked if I could pray with him, and I was about to lead him through a prayer committing his life to Jesus. But before I could open my mouth, he started praying himself, repenting of things he'd done in the past, asking God to forgive him. It was one of the most profound and privileged moments of my life. And to think that I came so close to missing that moment because I was too concerned about what he would think of me. I only saw my friend once more. By then, all conversation was impossible. He was so heavily sedated and barely conscious throughout my visit. Three weeks after he gave his life to Jesus, he died. I've often thought about how close I came to not asking my friend if he wanted to give his life to Jesus. And the regret I would feel today if I hadn't, at the last moment, plucked up the courage to step out in faith. I was this close to not doing it. But I did do it. I put my faith into action. I took a risk. And as a result, my friend died knowing he was forgiven and is now in eternity with Jesus. And I am so glad that I did. You know, it's wonderful to look back at moments when you've stepped out in faith and seen God do what we long for him to do. But the journey to reach those moments can often involve much uncertainty and longing and disappointment. It can be hard to keep hoping. I'm sure my aunt felt that way at times in the many years that she was praying for my uncle. I know I had prayed for years for my friend before I saw him come to faith. Sometimes it can be hard to keep hope and faith alive. And this was Jairus' experience. He'd come and thrown himself before Jesus, hoping that he would come and heal his little daughter before it was too late. Jesus immediately responded and started to follow him to his house. Hope was on its way. But then everything stopped. Jesus was interrupted by the bleeding woman. What must Jairus have been feeling as precious time ticked by and Jesus wasn't moving? Then the devastating news that he'd been dreading arrives, telling him that his little daughter is dead. If only Jesus had hurried, if only he hadn't been distracted, Jesus would have got there in time and healed her. But now it's too late. Now everything feels hopeless. But Jesus overhears the messengers and says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. He is telling Jairus to keep going, to keep hoping, to keep trusting him, even though everything seems lost. Because with Jesus, nothing is ever beyond hope. Nothing, not even death. Because Jesus has power over death. Once Jesus had cleared the room of all those who would mock and try to undermine faith, he takes Jairus' little girl by the hand and simply and lovingly says to her, little girl, get up. Immediately she stands up and walks around the room to the utter astonishment of her parents. Jesus has power and authority to bring life to any and every situation, even to the dead body of a 12-year-old girl. Here is new life, as only Jesus can bring, hopes restored, dreams reignited, a decimated family put back together, just as Jesus did for the bleeding woman, two precious daughters restored and given fresh dignity. What I love about this passage is the compassion and kindness that shines through from Jesus. In the tender words of the woman, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Then the kind words, little girl, get up. 
These miracles aren't for show or to prove a point. Jesus actually tells the parents not to let anyone know what has happened, to keep it secret. These miracles flow from Jesus' overwhelming heart of compassion for those devastated by the circumstances they find themselves in. For the woman, for the little girl, for her parents. Jesus loves us with the same compassion, kindness and tenderness. When we are struggling to hope or hold on to faith or feel that our dreams have been crushed, we can be assured that in the words of James chapter 4, if we'll come near to God, he will come near to us. God is the God for whom nothing is impossible, who can change the seemingly unchangeable, with whom it is never too late. But that doesn't mean that things will always turn out the way that we want them to. God's ways are not our ways. Sometimes we pray and the answer is no. Often he has different plans to us, but regardless of the outcome, we can know his kindness, his mercy, his compassion and his love if we will simply reach out and allow him to draw us near, just as the bleeding woman did, just as Jairus did. It is this same compassion that led Jesus to the shame and agony of the cross because he so loved the world. That's you and me. He defeated the power of sin and death and rose again victorious so that for all who believe, death will be no more than sleeping, just as with Jairus' little girl. So that, though we will all die physically one day, all of us who have put our faith in him will rise again into glorious new life, full of hope full of joy, full of him forever. One day, each of us will feel Jesus take us by the hand and hear in his words, little girl or little boy, get up. We will open our eyes and see the kindness and laughter in his eyes as he welcomes us into new life. I don't know what you need today. Maybe it's the courage to step out in faith. Maybe you need to know his compassion and kindness in the midst of challenging circumstances. Maybe he's putting someone on your heart and asking you to share his love and compassion with them this week. Maybe you're afraid of death and need to hear his words, don't be afraid, just have faith. Or maybe, as with my friend, it's time to take a leap of faith, ask for forgiveness and put your trust in Jesus, knowing that when you do, he has the power to change your life and transform your eternity. Whatever you need this morning, you can be assured that Jesus is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He has the power over death. Nothing is impossible for him.